0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, January 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. regulators want to peek under the hood of big techs investment into AI. And the head of Europe's central bank says inflation is headed in the right direction. Plus, major U.S. airlines are furious with Boeing.
1: American Airlines chief executive Robert Isom told analysts on Thursday... That the airline is going to hold Boeing accountable. He said Boeing needs to get their act together.
0: I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. US federal regulators have a new target, and it's big tech's bromance with artificial intelligence. The Federal Trade Commission said yesterday that it's launching an inquiry into partnerships between cloud providers and generative AI companies. The move targets five huge players, tech giants Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, and startups Anthropic and OpenAI. These tech companies have dumped billions of dollars into the startups, and the FTC wants to investigate potentially anti-competitive behavior. The companies will have 45 days to respond to the inquiry. U.S. airlines are taking a big hit from the latest problems at Boeing, and yesterday some major carriers predicted substantial profit losses because of issues with the American aircraft maker. It all stems, of course, from a mid-air accident earlier this month on an Alaska Airlines flight. That led to the grounding of Boeing's MAX 9 planes. Here to talk to me about what this means for Boeing is the FT's Sylvia Pfeiffer. Hey, Sylvia. Hi, Mark. Okay, so do me a favor, unpack some of the news that came out yesterday. Just how much have U.S. airlines been hit by the most recent problems at Boeing?
1: Yeah. so as you say, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded a lot of the Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft after the accident happened on January the 5th. So that grounding has impacted in particular two U.S. airlines, United Airlines and Alaska Airlines, So Alaska had said that the grounding of of the MAX 9s would cost the carrier about $150 million. The other thing that happened quite late on Wednesday is that the FAA also put limits on Boeing's production of all 737 Max jets now the US plane maker had hoped to increase production of the Max fleet this year partly as a way of you know servicing customers who want the planes but also it's key to them meeting cash flow targets but the FAA said no you can't do this ramp up until we are satisfied that the quality assurance processes and manufacturing processes at your factories are top notch and we've verified them.
0: Obviously, this throws a huge wrench in the airline industry's plans for this year. How are CEOs responding to Boeing's problems?
1: So, a lot of Boeing's large customers are not very happy. They vented their anger uh, in recent days over the plane makers' quality lapses, in effect, really warning that their patience is running thin. Now, American Airlines chief executive. Robert Isom told analysts on Thursday that the airline is going to hold Boeing accountable. He said Boeing needs to get their act together. And those comments followed very similar comments from Scott Kirby, the chief executive of United Airlines. So big airline customers are not very happy. Nobody is yet publicly calling for a change in management at Boeing, but obviously they are under a lot of pressure to get this sorted.
0: Okay, so a lot of people are angry with Boeing right now. What sort of larger repercussions does this all potentially have for the aircraft maker?
1: Yes, so Boeing's just coming out of some very difficult years. If you remember back in 2018 and 2019, Boeing had two fatal crashes of its MAX 8 aircraft where 346 people died. They've promised repeatedly in the past few years that they would increase transparency, that they would improve safety. And by all accounts, this recent accident seems to suggest that that hasn't really happened. Now, I think the one thing to remember about Boeing is that it is a giant of of US industry and it still is despite these problems. I do think... What it does do, it has weakened Boeing in relation to its arch-rival Airbus, the European plane maker. It is really a duopoly between the two of them. And Airbus, certainly since the MAX 8 crashes, has gained the upper hand in terms of market share in the lucrative single aisle segment of the market. And that is starting to sort of generate questions amongst people. How can Boeing ever catch up against Airbus, especially if they have these persistent problems that are holding
0: them back. Sylvia, it seems like it would help a lot if there were a third manufacturer that airlines could go to to make up for these issues with Boeing. Why isn't there? Why are we stuck with the duopoly?
1: Because it's really difficult to make aircraft. The technology involved is incredibly difficult. I mean, the Chinese last year flew their first ever homemade aircraft, the C919, made by Comac, the Chinese plane maker, But the C919 at the moment wouldn't exist without Western input. So people don't realize how difficult it is. I mean, it's not like building a car or anything. And the second thing, as we see with Boeing, safety is the key thing. You know, you can't stick something up in the the sky that is going to fall out.
0: Sylvia Pfeiffer is the FT's industry correspondent. Thanks, Sylvia. Thank you. The European Central Bank kept interest rates on hold yesterday, but the end might be in sight. The president of the ECB, Christine Lagarde, said rapid wage growth was already showing signs of slowing, which means, broadly speaking, that inflation is starting to ease, and it's potentially a good sign for folks hoping the central bank will cut interest rates sooner rather than later. Lagarde said the uptick in the Eurozone's December inflation rate was, quote, weaker than expected and forecast that price pressures would continue to ease over the course of the year. The 2024 U.S. presidential election is in full swing. The Republican primary is down to two candidates, but it's looking like we're going to have a rematch between President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. To help you make sense of the nonstop news during the week, we're launching a new weekend podcast called Swamp Notes. I'll be hosting, and you can find it in the briefing feed every Saturday morning. Here to talk a little bit about the podcast is the FT's Deputy Washington Bureau Chief Lauren Feodor. She will be a regular guest on the show. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Mark. All right. So uh, you approached me a little while ago about doing a politics show for the briefing. Tell listeners a little bit about what they can expect from the Swamp Notes podcast.
2: Well, I personally think this is going to be a great opportunity for me and for my colleagues here in D.C. to share with your listeners a little bit more about what we're seeing, thinking, hearing over the course of this very long and very complicated U.S. election cycle.
0: Yeah, you were just in New Hampshire for the primaries, right?
2: I was in New Hampshire. I was in Iowa for the caucuses before that. In New Hampshire, I was able to go to candidate events, but I was also able to just talk to ordinary voters. On polling day, on primary day, I went to a high school that was absolutely packed with people voting either for Nikki Haley, who is the former South Carolina governor, the former U.N. ambassador, and the last woman, last person standing in the Republican field who's taking on Donald Trump. But I also spoke to a lot of Trump supporters. One of them was Ted Marivelius. He was standing outside the high school with a Trump sign. He had a red baseball cap that said
0: Ultra MAGA on it. Nikki Haley just doesn't represent my values. I mean, she's a globalist. And honestly, maybe another thing that I love about President Trump is—he's not a globalist, and this insane funding of the Ukraine war is just crazy. We're trying to get ourselves into World War III to defend a country that we have no business in. So
2: I think that the Ukraine issue, foreign policy, has actually been a big issue on the campaign trail in a way that foreign policy isn't always. That's the kind of thing that I'm hoping that in the podcast we can unpack and talk a little bit about.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure we will. And the other thing I'll think we're going to spend a lot of time unpacking is just how weird this election is because it's really weird, Lauren.
2: Absolutely. There are many unique factors about this hypothetical but increasingly likely matchup between Donald Trump and the incumbent President Joe Biden. And one thing I feel very confident saying is it's something that really the vast majority of Americans don't want. And this is obviously a really interesting for the U.S. to be having an election, but the U.S. is just one of, you know, dozens heading to the polls this year, right? And so I think this will be a great opportunity for us at the FT to be placing the U.S. election in that global context, thinking about what the results here might mean for the rest of the world and how the rest of the world is perceiving what's going on here.
0: Lauren Fedor is the FT's Deputy Washington Bureau Chief. Thanks so much, Lauren. Thanks, Mark. You can listen to Swamp Notes starting tomorrow on the FT News Briefing feed, wherever you get your podcasts. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Kasha Brusalian, Sonia Hudson, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our engineer is Monica Lopez. We had help this week from Josh Gabriel Doyon, Sam Giovinco, David De Silva, Michael Lello, Peter Barber, Gavin Coleman, and Zach St. Louis. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio, and our theme song is by Metaphor Music.